these are really interesting times if you haven't noticed that yourself I guess I you didn't have to come up here for me to tell that to you uh, these are really interesting times and as I thought about today of course I don't want to talk about it a lot uh, today is the basically the end of a Jewish year and a celebration but it's it's also the end of a seven-year period that people have been tuning into a lot lately uh, but uh, today basically ends a day and it starts at sundown tonight for Jewish people but we all know in the next few days few weeks there's going to be a lot of major changes either happening or beginning and for any of us to ignore that we'd be silly <laughs> but what's our place in that I expect a lot of challenges for believers coming up but I expect a lot of blessing and as I thought about it today I thought what's the what's the most important thing for a believer today to be ready for the things that could be coming because if we think life as usual is going to continue I don't I think we'd be, be deceived uh, all we have to do is look at this prior year and the things that have taken place you know with our governments with uh, things overseas the churning we have to know that things some of these things either are going to get bigger or they're going to something else is going to happen so I thought about what are the two things that I'd want to be most prepared for well those two things for me if I were just thinking about how I would be as as a leader of my family let's put it that way I would want to be growing my faith to a level that had never been before but I'd also want to know I could hear from the Lord I'd want to be led by the Spirit of God I would want to be alerted when there's things that I would need to do as a leader of my family or as an individual uh, either for maybe two things safety or opportunities to excel now obviously from my opening you know that I'm not so concerned about the safety as I am opportunities to reach a lot of people with what God has called me to do and each one of you have those kind of things in your hearts there's things buried in your heart I know they're there with each one of you that I believe if you open yourself up to the Lord he's going to start bringing those things out he wants to bring them out now but we have to be ready for it we have to recognize this this mechanism down in here is trying to speak to us about something it's called our heart and we have to be ready to re decide what's in our hearts it's a transition it's a transition of how we think how we were raised how we were coached who spoke into our lives who mentored us it's a transition from is that the way it is or is there a new chapter in our life before us and I will tell you for the believers it's a it's a powerful new chapter of blessings if we take it that way I guess I'm just saying be encouraged today we know a lot of stuff's out there we know there's darkness that's running rampant but we have to be encouraged because why because if we walk with us with the Lord he's not only sheltering us but he'll steer us he'll move us in directions 
not only of safety, but of blessings. I mean, you ought to be excited about that. I am. Because I know about the, you know, I know about the, you know, all the stuff that's going on. I pay attention to the news. I know about the fear that's out there. But you know what? Uh, God hasn't given any of, of us the spirit of fear. There is a spirit of fear out there. But the Bible's saying he didn't give it to us. And he's encouraging you to move away from that spirit of fear abruptly. It's real simple. Maybe I got ahead of myself today, but it's real simple. You know how to get away from the spirit of fear? Speak to it. I refuse to fear. Speak to it personally. I take it personally when the spirit of fear tries to come on me. I look him right in the eye. I say, spirit of fear, I refuse you right now in Jesus' name. That's how you get rid of fear. With with the experiences and knowledge of the Word of God, I can tell you that the moments I've been in that kind of a place, wanting to hear from the Lord, the moment I took authority over fear, God began to speak to me and pull me out of those dark places. 100% of the time. The idea is you can't believe both. You can't be in fear and faith all at the same time. So if you take notes or put it up here, just remember that. If you're if you're full of fear and you're trying to believe God, it won't work. And I didn't set those rules. It's just that we come out of this world of darkness. We 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 live in a world, but we're not of it. Isn't that what the Bible says? In other words, we're still humans. And there is an evil one. The Bible calls him the God of this world. And he'll speak to you all the time. You'll open up to what he has to say. And he'll tell you all kind of things. Okay, well, enough said about that. Let's go to Ephesians. Go to Ephesians 1. And I'll say this. This isn't a new scripture for many of you. Are we there? I want to share some scriptures right now, a couple of them. I want you to begin to realize what it means to be a born-again child of God. To be in that place where you've called upon the name of the Lord and there was something happened that you don't even understand but in a twinkling of eye you had a you were different you still maybe thought the same your body was still the same everything was same but there was something different in you it's it's beyond our human ability to really understand that but I want to look at this this here in uh, Ephesians 1 it's not a new thing to be there, but in verse 17, and this is a prayer. Everybody's been around a while has heard of the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul brought a lot of truth to us. It was his job to, to teach born-again believers how to walk with the Lord. That was his job. That was his calling. To minister to us Gentiles and bring us into it, or born-again Jewish people, whatever. Now, in verse 17, he says, well, let, let me back up here. In verse 15, therefore I also, after I heard of this faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer. So when I look at these things, I see myself as Paul right here, and he's praying that for me. But bigger than that, these are inspired by the Holy Spirit. So when I look at this, I, I look at this as though the, the Lord himself is praying this for me because this is his will. And he says in verse 17 that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you 
the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He wants you to see the expanse of this thing. It's his prayer that you begin to open up and you see the expanse of this. And then in verse 18, the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. In other words, uh, your spirit be enlightened is what he's saying. The eyes of your spirit being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now those are a lot of different words. You have to digest them. But what he's wanting to say is, who are you in Jesus? What's this all about? Where do you fit in this thing? You know, we, we, we are called the body of Christ. And that's not so easy to understand. But he's wanting us to see what this is all about. And then in 19, what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. Okay, when I talked about what to do with fear, if you're just a normal human out there, unenlightened, don't know anything about it, you're not born again, you can, you can say things, and when we say things out of our mouth, there's still power there. But what he's trying to say, when you get involved with Jesus Christ here, he's, he's poured that mighty power into you. He's brought a power into you that's available to you that's beyond your ability to understand it. But whether we understand it or not, just the fact that we get a grasp of that, that it takes us beyond ourselves when we speak to things, that's pretty cool, isn't it? So, and what is? He wants it to, what is that exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to what that said is God the creator of the whole universe if God were sitting right there in that chair he's running the whole universe from that chair he's running the whole creation from that chair that's a that's the epicenter of power is it not I mean I can't think of a bigger power than the creator where that doesn't have to be that chair, but we ought to think about it because it said seated, so that must mean he's seated, must have a throne. We read about his throne. So when Jesus took his place, he's right there at the right hand of the epicenter of everything. Now that's pretty awesome, isn't it? And it says here, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but that which is to come. So every name, every name is named. Well, fear is a name, right? So I, I brought that up. But there's other things that are named. Uh, I'll just grab some names. Diabetes, isn't that a name? Cancer, isn't that a name? Uh, division in families, isn't strife and division, isn't that a name? There's something, to think, something for you to think about. There's names out there, but see, he's given Jesus power and dominion over all of these names. It's the epicenter of the creation right there. Now let's just jot down here uh, in verse chapter 2 here for a minute. Of course, 22, we might as well stay with it. We're going to roll here. Uh, and he put all things under his feet, gave him to be the head over all things in the church. Who's the church? Everybody that's born again. Everybody that's called upon in the name of the Lord and that shall be saved. Isn't that the church? That is the church. 
Okay, and he said he's put all things under his foot, feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness, who fills all in all as a complete thing. There's nobody else out there. It's Jesus, the head of the church. That's it. That's all. Okay. Now let's let's go on down here a little bit. And then he's talking about you. Here where you came in. In verse uh, chapter 2, verse 1, and you he made alive. How many are happy about that? Because he said you were dead in trespass and sin, in which you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. In other words, uh, God of this world was directing everything you did. More or less, one way or another. That was our, that was your reference point. You thought how the world thinks. You thought you just kind of gobble up the world. You just kind of flowed with what goes on. You know, if they're... If they're playing Beatles music, you're going to play Beatles music. If they're cussing out uh, God because he didn't rain last week, uh, you, that's the world. Yeah, I mean, these are crazy examples, but you know, this brings it who we are. Who we are. But he set us free from that, it says here. Uh, among who are also conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. There's a lot of children of wrath out there. But he's pulling us out of that. Okay, but here's what's cool. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. Are you kidding? He's bringing us into that identity with with the one that's seated at the right hand of the epicenter of God. He's bringing into that identity. And not only that, he said, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now I want you to really grasp this. It's a little beyond what we can just grab but if you sat another chair right there by this gentleman, that's pretty powerful. You just knew here and you, you, you sat down right next to Jesus, didn't you? What does that make you? That makes you a partaker of the divine nature of Jesus Christ. Now, if you can kind of grasp this, he's the right-hand man of the epicenter of the creation that's there isn't any more power available than the right hand of the of the most powerful individual god's a person ever been created everything runs everything does all that through the blood of jesus christ what he do uh, i mean he did a lot you know, uh, you know. I thought about this too. You know, a lot of people say, "Well, yeah, I'm, I, you know, the well, yeah, I've, I've been forgiven from my sin." I got to thinking about that last night. You know, you think about things when you're, you know, that uh, it's the thing the Lord wants to bring out. You know, just getting free from sin—that's awesome, isn't it? But that's like, to me, that's like the dinner salad before the steak. <laughs> I mean, it's only the beginning. You know, I know a lot of Christians, that's where they get, they get born again or baptized or whatever it is, and that, they think they've got it all. Well, they'll head for heaven, all right, but it's only the beginning. 
it's barely your foot in the door. You're in, you know, if that's the way you want to be. You're a member now. You're part of that body. But look at how much is resident in you that can be brought out with power. That's why, you know, personally, that's why I like to teach faith. Because not only is it impossible to please God without it, uh, and it's not that he's mad at you if you don't have it. It doesn't really mean it that. But he says the just shall live by faith. In other words, he's really encouraging you to step into this stuff and grow because, guess what? It's life-changing. There's a bigger life out there than you can even visualize today for every one of you. I don't know where you're all at, where you've been, or you know all that stuff, but wherever you're at, I'm telling you, Today is definitely the first day of a powerful new life. But it does take the Word of God. We've got to grow. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. We just have to keep moving in that realm. Uh, uh, But, you know, I'll I'll depart here for just a a minute from this. I I was thinking about something else along with these. Let's uh, go to one more scripture before I depart from this. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 1. If you're in Ephesians, just go to the right a little ways. So I'll begin here in chapter 1, verse 1. God, who at various times and in different ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. Who he has appointed heir. You know what heir is? That's who inherits everything. How many uh, at least been to grade school here in the group? Maybe some more. Did you know what the word all means? What does all mean? It means everything. All. He said he's appointed him heir of all things. He... He's, he's the owner. Right? So, which in through whom also he made the worlds, who being the right, brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding holding all things by the word of his power, when he had him by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So that's just reiterating Ephesians. He's the heir of all things. But we continue in this and we discover we're part of the body of Christ. Well, what's a body? It's complete with all the limbs with the head. Now, there's a little bit of stretch for some, but really, he's the head, but we're the body. It's almost, an, and I suppose... Uh, this would rattle a few people for me to say this, but I've been thinking about it. It's almost like he's a big brother. Okay, we're, we talk about brothers in Christ, are we not? She's my sister, he's my brother, you're my brother. Why? We're in the body of Christ. Is Jesus in the body of Christ? We better not exclude him, he's the head, <laughs> right? Well, it's something for you to think about. He's like a big brother. And what would a big brother do for his little brothers and little sisters? Protect them? Everything. He'd do everything for them. I'm not a big brother. I think I think this guy is. But a good big brother will 
there's no end to what he'd do for his family, for his siblings, right? Well, maybe that's an obvious thing, but I thought it was kind of cool. Now, I want to talk about something else, because I mentioned the dinner salad. I like a good salad. I like being born again, but when I got born again, I still didn't know anything. I just knew I was free from something, and it didn't happen until I was 34 years old. I, I had no clue. Well, whatever happened to me is not that important, except that I know what it's like to be lost as a goose, and I know what it's like in a blink of an eye to have thousands of pounds lift off my shoulders. But I still didn't know anything. And because of some things I read, I, I realized, you know, the big thing was sin. You know, I, I all of a sudden I'm free from sin. Well, what is sin? Well, whatever, you, there's a lot of things that are sin. But I got to thinking about the atonement a while back. Have you ever heard the word atonement? Well, for the Jewish people, God set this in order. So once a year, uh, basically they'd call for the priest, or the priest would call everybody in, and they'd have whatever they did, they'd some sacrifices. But he would, he would forgive them for all their sins for the year. Everything. It was a big deal. It, it's a big deal for the Jewish people, Old Testament people. Once a year, they could be set free from all that. But they had to wait the year. And of course, as a sidelight, there's still, there's certain, I won't say anything, but there's certain denominations out there today that still think the priest has to set them free. And that doesn't add up to the New Testament believer. And I'm not down saying anything negative about anybody, but I mean, you don't have to have a priest to set you free. The blood did that. But let's talk about that atonement. What all did that atonement include? And you know, uh, let's go to Deuteronomy. It's in the Old Testament. It's way back there in the back. We're going to briefly touch on this. Deuteronomy 28. People spending the word a while know this is a chapter on blessing and cursing. I will not read this whole chapter. But it starts out, uh, the heading is promised blessings for obedience. And it says, now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you this day, that the Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations. And there's several blessings here. These blessings are things that I have pronounced over people. I'd like to pronounce them if I'm in a situation where I've uh, married some people. I, I like to pronounce all those blessings over them at the end of the service. When our son turned 21, we had a feast, and I pronounced these blessings over our son. Uh, but those are great things. But in verse 15 promise curses for disobedience. Now, if you read all these thoroughly, you'll see that every kind of a bad thing is involved in there for people that weren't, that weren't obedient to, to the Lord. Uh, primarily like your Ten Commandments, all the things that, that God had commanded them to do through Moses and so on, through the Le Levitical priesthood. I don't want to get deep into this, but if you read this, you'll see sickness and disease. You'll see poverty You'll see all kinds of things that you do not want operating in your life. But this, these curses cover every disease known to man in some form or another. 
I don't care what it is. It's somehow included in this, and it had to do with the Jewish people being disobedient to God. But when they go that once a year and have the priest forgive everything, guess what? It put them back in order for a while. I think that happens in about 10 days from now. I'm not sure. Don't don't uh, quote me. Am I right, Pat? Do you know? I think about 10 days from now is when this feast takes place. I could have looked that up, but I didn't want to just totally focus on that today. But I'm bringing a point across. There's a lot more to this thing than just forgiveness of sins. There's an entire covenant involved in the atonement because what Jesus did when he died, he died for that atonement to bring everything. Now let's go clear over in Galatians. I'm proving a point here in case you've been taught some things that that won't help you too much in your life. Go to Galatians chapter 3. Specifically what I'm driving at is a lot of people in present day teaching are taught that forgiveness of sins, that's it. Healing passed away, this passed away, that passed away, you know, the apostles are gone, and like our grandson came up here and ministered the other day, made a good point. Uh, Jesus is called the apostle and high priest, and he didn't pass away, so all the apostles aren't gone. <laughs> that was good. I had never thought of it that way. That's pretty cool. But my point is, are there other benefits than just being free from sin? Well, if you read those curses and you see all those things that that are negative in your life, it says here in, in uh, Galatians 3.13 that Christ has redeemed us from those curses. Okay, you follow me so far? Christ, through his death, burial, and resurrection, redeemed us from every curse that you can read in there. Would you say that means he heals today? He delivers today? He does it all today, does he not? He has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Some things are necessary right now to build you up and to build me up. I didn't come out of a place where I just only wanted to know about this much of God. I come out of a place I was so hungry, I wanted to know God. I wanted to know everything. And I'll just tell you the first few months, because we weren't in a church, we didn't get saved by people, uh, which it just didn't happen for us. We read a book and found out how to get saved, both of Sandy and I. But so many times people talk to me about a God that I didn't recognize. I mean, it's like, this God set me free. Jesus set me free. He didn't set me halfway free. And and the more I knew Him, just down in here, I didn't know this word, but I knew that He was a good God. And when people tell me, well, he maybe will, maybe won't, maybe he did this, did that somebody or whatever, and I said, that isn't the God that I know. I don't know anything about this Bible, but my God is loves me so much, set me free out of a mess. My point is, I want you to know that. 
I want you to be as convinced as I am that everything God has for you is good. And Jesus paid a mighty price for us. A lot of people think, well, he was God, you know, he had painkillers, you know, they think of all this stuff. No, he wasn't. He died a real death. A real bad, it was a bad day, but a good day for us. So we talked about that a little bit. Uh, Now, I mentioned one other thing. I said if there's two things I'd want to know going into times that I think are a little rough, could be challenging, I'd want to know how to be led by the Spirit of God. Wouldn't you? If God speaks to you, either to bless you or to pull you out of danger, you'd like to know you're hearing from Him, would you not? I thought so. I knew I'd have a quorum on that one. (laughs) And, of course, an anchor scripture for that is in Romans 8. Verse 14, which says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, those are my sons. Yeah, I remember talking to a guy one time. We were, we were in a, a business situation a long time ago, and and we just met, and he was a good guy, and big old Italian fellow. I'll never forget him. And he said, Gary, I know you're a Christian. He says, you know, I'm spirit-filled. And I, just out of my heart, out of I said, I think that's awesome, but are you spirit-led? And, and for the next 20-some years, any time I'd talk to him, he'd remember that because it challenged him. And it was the Holy Spirit that challenged him, not me. Are you spirit-led? And, of course, uh, we can back up a little bit here. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body and so on, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, those are my sons. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. What is that really saying? We don't love God out of fear. He's going to come and get us. He adopted us as sons and seated there with his son. Man, we got some power in us, don't we? Does it challenge you to want to know how to use that? Not to go out and whip the world so much. In a lot of cases, it's just it's a step-by-step thing. You have challenges in your body, you want to get your body in line. But at the same time, challenges in your family, marriage, whatever, you want to get those in line. If it's challenges in your business or your you know whatever you're involved with, you get those in line, step-by-step. And he'll give you all those keys. How do we do it? Well, let's go over here to John. Chapter 14. How many is there in chapter 14 in John? <laughs> There's one thing about it. You uh, sit under this teaching for a while, you'll start knowing where your books of the Bible are. And I don't mean that negatively either, but that's how I learn uh, various teachings and whatnot. You start working through the Bible pretty quick. You, these books come alive. and So I never look down on somebody that doesn't know the books of the Bible because I didn't even know... I didn't hardly know where map. Like the guy said, we're all here, but the question is, are we all there? <laughs> okay. Uh, praise God. Well, verse 26 here, this is Jesus speaking. He says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. 
Verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the word world gives do I to you, let your heart be troubled, uh, let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. But he said, I will send the helper. Now we see it again over here in 16, what, 16, uh, 60, uh, 1613, we see it again. And again, Jesus is speaking. And you have to see this setting. Just, just kind of visualize he's talking to his disciples. And they don't know Zip. I mean, they've been with him everywhere. There was something in them, kept them hooked up to him. But sometimes, you know, they'd even get worried that he was not nuts or whatever. I mean, really, it's true. And and right now, they, they pick up this idea. He's leaving and he's trying to comfort them. Now, wait a minute. He says, wait a minute. He says, somebody better than me is coming. <laughs> You want to say, yeah, right, <laughs> we like you. Uh, so you kind of think about that, how that is. But he said here, then, and I just, my eyes just, okay. He's in verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Now, why did he say that? Well, how are you, uh, assuming you're born again and you know what happened, the one day you couldn't even begin to find maps in the Bible, and the next day it started to come alive a little bit. Why? Blood of Jesus. Born again. But he said, but they weren't. They weren't born again men. They were still lost. It's just that they loved him and they followed him. But he said, I promise you, here he says, however... When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and will tell you things to come. That's what we want, don't we? We want to be alive to that spirit. You know, you, you all, all know this, but it's, it's basic information. There's, we're a three-part being. It says so in First Thessalonians. I won't go there right now. But we're spirit. We have a soul, and we live in a physical body. Before you're born again, the spirit man, which is the real you, you know, we look at this, your spirit man is the real you. You have a soul to do, you know, mind, will, and emotions up here. And then we've given some kind, we call it a body suit. You know, there's a day when this body suit's either shocked here, it's glorified uh, in the air, however it's going to happen. But the spirit man's the real you. Before you got born again, it was dead. That's why, you know, people out there that, that wonder how people are that. Well, if they aren't born again, man, they're, they're lost. They're, they're, just, they're about as close to God as that brick. They're lost. Their spirit man is dead. Why? Because of the sin of Adam. But once we get born, when we call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says in a twinkling eye, we are changed. It's also talking about the rapture, but still, it's a twink. It's like quicker than a millionth of a second. All of a sudden, we are here. The next second, we're over here at the right hand of the Father. Can you can you believe that? The second that you call upon the name of the Lord, you're not only have a new spirit that can talk to the human, uh, the Holy Spirit, 
Holy Spirit takes residence right up there, and you feel right down. Just put your hand on your tummy right now. Uh, you, you got your hand on the Lord. Did you believe that? Well, the Bible sure says it. I believe it. So from that point on, you have a privilege of being led by the Spirit of God, because now you're now you're not lost out there. You're you're a son of God. Isn't that amazing? He's the son of God. You are a son of God. You're seated there with him. You might as well. I mean, it says we're seated at his right. We're seated together with him, it says, doesn't it? It doesn't say it's another chair over. It says we're seated together with him. How many of you are ready to take on a new challenge? Think of that power that's resident in you. We talk about power a lot here, you know, with, with the word of God and the dominions and so on, uh, because he's given us authority over all these things. How did we get it? Part of, part of his anointing. Christ the anointed one. We're involved in that. We can take whatever part of that we want, right? How many want it all? I do. I want everything that's available. Why? Because I found out that in in my uh, life, I can only do about so much. But with that power and that vision and those things that fuel us each day, guess what? Takes us beyond. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I believe that I brought forth what I really wanted to bring forth today. My encouragement to you is start digging down inside yourself and start looking at that bigger picture. There's a bigger picture. It pushes us. It's, it strains us. Because why? One thing, God wants to bring more and more blessings into your life. And one of those ways he can do that is, you know, you deal with the basic things. You know, we, we deal with things in our life and say, oh, my, I want to get better in that area. You know, I want to do better in certain things in my life. That's one thing. But the other thing is we are in a lost and dying world. There's people out there that are lost today. You know, we're sitting here. We have some nice music. We beautiful day you know everything around us is is awesome we're in fellowship with people that love god just like we do but yards away from here are people that don't know what you know and one of the things that makes us better is when we begin to pull out of our own little shells and we begin to reach out to those people in any way that we can out of our comfort zone. I've never accomplished a whole lot in my comfort zone. Really, I never have. Now, am I driven? I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't say that I'm driven, but I, I will say that I, I can never get enough of the Lord. I can never get enough of this word. And when I minister word like this, it builds me up. It gives me that encouragement to take that next step. You know, to, to, to think that we have to prepare for another step for us, uh, the only thing that makes it halfway comfortable is it's been down in here all this time. <laughs> but see, somehow that that thing down here has got to get up here and over, overhaul this part up here, right? So I want to encourage you with what, what you've heard today to think about that power that worketh in you. That power, according to that power that works in you, to let it out of the box. You know, about four years ago, this isn't spiritual, but it's how I look at things. 
four years ago, we had a little over four, four and a half, five years, whatever. We were in a situation where I had a gymnasium next door. So I thought, well, I'm going to go lift some weights. And so I made a commitment. So I was over there every other day or whatever, took an hour. And, and in about, I want to say six weeks, I had muscles coming alive that I hadn't seen since I was about 20 years old because I found out my body wanted to work for me. It pushed it. I, did, I had to set some time aside. <laughs> well, I'm not a kid. I'm not a kid today. I wasn't a kid then. You know, I was at an age where a lot of people were just looking for the next bottle of some something to keep going, you know, whatever kind of pills people take. I don't take any. But it's the same thing with the Lord. Sometimes we have to push ourselves a little bit. But the cool thing about doing it with the Lord is the Holy Ghost is down here pushing with you and encouraging every step of the way. I want you to think about those things today that right now you, you kind of have a glimpse in your heart you'd like to do them, but it's going to take a little bit of courage to do them. I want you to entertain the idea of stepping into that courage. Entertain that idea. Push yourself a little. God will take care of you. Praise the Lord. Well, hallelujah.